everybody to the Back to Basics app session. If you are here for a different app session, now will be the time to get up and go find another room, because this one is Back to Basics. Uh, just real quick, my name is Joe Adams. My wife and I, Alyssa, we planted with ARC just this year in January. So we're really excited about that. Grateful to be here. So grateful for ARC and this West Coast Conference that is closer for us because we planted in Colorado. So it's a lot cheaper to fly to LA than it is to Birmingham. So we're super grateful for that. And we've got all kinds of great app sessions for you today. That's why you're here. I'm really excited to introduce to you the host, the, the speaker for today. Is Pastor Grant Pankratz, who currently is the senior pastor of Church of the Harvest in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. He also leads Youth America. Get this, guys. Over 100,000 teenagers have come through Youth America since this thing got started. Absolutely astonishing to think about that. Just this year, they had 6,000 teenagers at their Youth America Conference. Over 1,000 leaders went to their Youth America Leadership Conference. So I know he has got a lot to share with you guys today. So excited. Do me a favor. Put your hands together and welcome him up to the stage. Appreciate you guys being here. Um, you are committed. How many of you are, I would assume most of you are youth pastors? Cool. So that's how this is going to go, is it? <laughs> I like the uh, Ferg, Stephen Ferg, the little preaching box. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, um, I want to talk about, is this recording me? So this is recorded, so. Um, I want to talk about youth ministry for uh, a few minutes here, and I, I titled it. I feel like the title didn't do me didn't do a very good job at uh, luring people. But <laughs> back to basics. Really, what I want to talk about is what every teenager needs from you. And the reason that I titled it that is because I think that uh, youth ministry in general is kind of going through a bit of an identity crisis. It seems like in most churches. In a lot of churches, it ha absolutely has gone through that in our church. And so I think the best way to get through that is to go back to like the root of what teenagers need, and then let's build from the ground up. Um, so that's, that's where that, that title comes from. Now, I will say this, is that we probably won't go a full hour, hour but I would like to end um, with some Q&A because I think that's helpful for the people that are in the room. I wrote up a bunch of notes, and I don't know if it's going to apply to any of you, but if you'll ask me a question, I know it applies exactly to you. So, And uh, also, um, that's what I tell our team back home. But um, whenever it comes time for Q&A, somebody has a question, all right? Just, yeah. just start thinking of one. Because I think, I think it's, 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 not, it's never a good sign when it comes time for Q&A and you don't have any questions, because that means you don't even quite know what you're trying to figure out. So let's have questions at the end of it, and uh, I think it'll have a good time. We'll have a good time. So, Oklahoma City, that's where I'm from, Church of the Harvest, the Youth America. He dropped a lot of numbers there, but um, it's, it's pretty special what God's doing. My dad started all of that before me, so um, anyways, let's get into this. So what I would say is that a lot of youth ministries today are... Again, like I said, having a crisis over the models that we should have, how we should do youth ministry, and um, 
I'm going to break it down to the very basics, make sure we're meeting these needs. And the other thing I, w- I would say is this, is that um, what we have to consider in youth ministry is that time is of the essence. Yeah. Right? When, they get, when they get into church, you've got them, you know, in the adult service, you've got them for a long time. And youth ministry is when God's trying to put these, these building blocks in place that will put together who they are for the rest of their life. And we've got, like, what, 7th grade through 12th grade to do it. And that's it. So I think a lot of youth uh, pastors or youth leaders or whatever, we, we might have the timeline in our mind of more of our youth ministry career or something, but that's not the timing we need to be thinking about. We need to be thinking about, you came in as a sophomore, I've got two years with you. Yeah. What can I do to establish who you are in Christ in the next two years? Yeah. Or we need to be thinking that way. So what does every teenager, what, what do teenagers need from you? Let me give you these five things. I think these are pretty basic. And I'm trying to make this very simple and very basic because it should be. A lot of times we over, overcomplicate things when it's unneeded. My encouragement to you would be to go back to your youth ministry and ask the question, why, about everything and break it down as simple as possible. And uh, anyway, so the first thing, tangent from you. The first thing is a leader who believes in them. A leader who believes in them. Now that sounds very simple, but I actually think that this might, well, they need to know Jesus. Aside from that, this might be the most critical thing that they'll get in these teenage years, this window of time. A leader who believes in them. I don't know if some of you or many of you have benefited from a leader that believed in you, but uh, most often than not, it wasn't the person preaching on the mic. Sometimes it was. But a lot of times it was the person that picked you up and brought you to church. Or that, I don't know, we didn't do small groups, but we'd like have lock-ins. Anybody <laughs> still do lock-ins? Yes. Oh, come on now. That's awesome. Well, anyways, who's a leader that would spend time with you, come, come to a football game or whatever? You know, a leader who believes in you. Uh, but I actually, so that's why we do small groups. I'll, I'll get a little bit into what we do at, in our church, youth ministry. But I would say that small groups are there to create an environment to where you can have those moments where leaders can convince the students, I believe in you. Because yeah. there's just something about someone older than them believing in them that gives them more fuel for life. Like I think I can reach out for more. My parents not, may, may not be saying that about me. Uh, my coach definitely isn't saying that about me. My teacher might not care. But there's this youth leader that for some reason thinks I'm awesome. And thinks that I can do more than I'm currently doing. Yeah. A leader who believes in them. So that's why I think you actually, it's critical that you're doing some form of small groups. Because the goal would be to give every kid a leader that believes in them. It doesn't have to be you know one-to-one kind of but uh, you have, and actually, I think that that right there, if we give students a leader who believes in them, who they can have actual contact with, I think that's the answer to solving the problem of high school kids falling off the map when they go to college. Yeah. Is a leader who will say, hey, you just moved in. I helped you move in, maybe, to your dorms on Sunday. I know you're being crazy. Get to church. I'm coming to pick you up. Like, mom and dad are already saying, please come to church. Uh, But they're in that season of rebelling, right? They just want to test out their freedom. So they might not do what mom and dad says just to feel the freedom to not do what mom and dad says, right? But a leader who believes in them, who's been with them since they were a junior or a a sophomore or a freshman or whatever, 
could be the voice, the advocate with the parent, that in that combination can keep them plugged into the church. And again, you're preaching. Your preaching stops when they graduate. Your, your Wednesday night preaching. Now it's, now it's your senior pastor. They don't know that voice. So the skill of your preaching is not what's going to help keep them in your church. I'm telling you. It's youth leaders surrounding their lives that believe them enough to hook them in and say, whatever you did last night, it doesn't matter. Yep. Let's go to church. So that's critical. Um, a leader who believes in them. Second thing is, uh, whatever teenager needs from you, I, I didn't word this great, but I'm going to just say it this way. An encounter with God. An encounter with God. A better way to put it might be an environment to encounter God. There you go. That's what they need from you. An environment to encounter God. Here's what I will say. When it comes to youth ministry models, I think that we've all changed and, and we've gone through, maybe haven't changed, but we have. And we've all come to the realization that small groups are extremely necessary and of the highest importance. But in a lot of cases, we've abandoned environments that create encounters with God. I mean, if you remember yourself as a teenager, again, I bet you can trace maybe your calling to ministry or, I don't know, whatever it might be, at like maybe a youth camp or a youth conference or a service in worship where I think just, I think maybe, um, well, what we did is we, we changed our model from being weekly services, and we saw what was kind of working for uh, Highlands and, and different, and we, we did what we thought they were doing, which actually was not totally accurate, and we went to all small groups, and we did that for a couple of years, and um, there was some really good that came from that. It really was. Some great things that came from that. Uh, it didn't grow at all, <laughs> but it, it, it produced health. And the biggest thing that it did is it, is it raised the value of small groups in the ministry. We went solely to that. But what we miss is these moments, more moments that people can have an encounter with God, teenagers. There's just something about being together corporately uh, in the presence of God. There's just synergy. It's, just, it's an environment that uh, is attractive. So what we've done is we've added back. We just, we just did both now. So we do small groups, but we added back in services. Because essentially when you really look at the model that, that a lot of us have gleaned from at Highlands, that's essentially what they have uh, with, with their uh, different city groups. But, um, but anyways, back to what we're doing. is We've added that service because we just sense um, we've, we've removed that those, those moments for people to encounter God. And how critical is that, right? Um, you can have it in a small group with an acoustic. <laughs> it's got to be a pretty mature teenager, though, uh, to get there in a, in, a, uh, in a small group with an acoustic guitar or whatever it might be. Um, that's a pretty churched kid that can get into that um, and really uh, tune in to maybe what God is saying. So we've created a big environment uh, for this very reason, because I feel like we're lacking that. Okay. Second thing was uh, an encounter with God. What does every teenager need, need from you? They need a church to build. They need something to give their life to. You don't need to view what you're doing as just a, uh, something for them, but it needs to be something that you're building with them. 
they need to learn as a teenager what it feels like to not only live your own life, but to build something with someone. Because when they graduate, that's what they should be doing for the rest of their lives is building the church that they're in. So are you, are you, while they're in that phase of putting themselves together and figuring out how they're going to operate just in, in their teenage years, are you putting that building block in that says, I'm supposed to be someone who builds the house of God? They need a church to build. What can they build? What can they grow? What can they invite people to? What can they raise money for? What can they reset the room for? Um, what can they sweat over? You know, how much you just need that in their DNA? That, that's what they need. They're looking. For, that's why. That's why sports teams they'll pay the whatever price, right, to win a championship. They're building something together. And the church, I think, has has not tapped into that as much. We're super soft on kids when the coach is like cussing them out, but for some reason they're coming back for more. You know. I'm not saying we should cast them out. <laughs> but I'm just saying there's a call to action that sometimes we miss. They need a church to build. They need a vision to get behind and to run with. Um, so, the fourth thing is, uh, I keep wanting to say all of these are the, the most important one, but this one's, yeah, I guess there's only five, so they're all important. The fourth thing would be a calling to live up to. You know what a young, you know what a student should hear the most in, in your youth ministry? God has a purpose for your life. I mean, I'm just thinking about the days I was in the youth ministry. What really stuck? Besides the fact that Jesus loves me, right? There's Jesus loves me, and the other thing that stuck was God's got big plans for my life. You know what that did? That always kept me looking up, like toward the horizon like what what is it that God's going to do and I'd rather have a kid that's full of dreams thinking they're going to do big things I'd rather have that and someone who's got that sense about them ready to do something great for God than the other you know so I think that should constantly be coming out of our mouths and out of the mouths of your youth leaders in small groups God has a major plan for your life because again Especially the kids that aren't really involved maybe in much at school. They're just not hearing that. Even the most godly parents may not take the time out to look them in the eye and say, you're going to make a big impact in this world. You're going to do it for Jesus. It's going to be amazing. And you need to do it when they don't believe it, right? And that has to do with a leader who believes in them because the way that we know Jesus really loves us, real love is that he, he died first while we were still sinners, right? So looking at a teenager who's done nothing, <laughs> who, who gets bad grades and wastes their life on video games, God's got a great purpose for your life. Yep. You have a huge future ahead of you, a destiny to fulfill. Like, there's just something in, in that season that we have to awaken that in our life. Cause that appetite, that, that, that wonder about, man, this life has so much. What is God going to do through me on planet Earth for all the days of my life? That's what a teenager needs from you. Is this helpful? Yes. Okay. The last thing is, uh, the fifth thing, and I'm going to talk about preaching just a little bit, but the fifth thing is uh, an environment of friends to do life with. Environment of friends to do life with. You know, I think a kid's world, I mean, 
They have their school world, they have their home world, and maybe they have their church world. And I don't know about you, but I'm not willing to trust their school friends, most of them, to be the ones that they confide in, right, with their deepest struggles in life. Because like it or not, that's who they're going to go to, is the next 14-year-old beside them. And their home life, you know, we would pray that the parent would want the best for them and have some kind of open door for conversation. But what's so critical is having a godly environment where you can put a teenager in the middle of other teenagers who are pursuing God. That's the safest place I can think of to put a teenager. That's what I'm saying. To create this environment where other teenagers are pursuing God, they can have an environment where that's their home base. School is somewhat of a, they've got friends there, but it's, it's a mission field as well. Their home is the center of, of the center of their life, but, but their church friendship circle, right there, that, again, I want to say that's the most critical thing, but all of these are so critical. And so here's what I say, here's why I say those five things, is because however you aim to get those things done, Let's just make sure that we're not changing to some model because we think it's going to cause growth. Because what does growth really mean when it comes to youth ministry, right? It's definitely not numbers. Well, it's definitely not only numbers. It is numbers, but we're trying to shape people's uh, futures. And again, there's just something about youth ministry. You have to see this is holy ground. Like that parent is allowing you to place building blocks that will last 50, 60, 70 years. Like you get to play a part in that. So let's not make this about, like, again, youth ministry models. So they should have friends that they should do life with together. Okay, then we need some, we need some environments where they're just hanging out. This isn't church. This isn't like we're not preaching to them. Uh, they're not responsible. They're just, they're just having fun. That's critical. Um, all of these other things you can trace through and talk with your team about I say, how can, we, how can we from the ground up build something that, that gives them these needs that they have? Again, um, yeah, we can talk about that a lot. Okay, I'm going to move on. Though. It's like the last, uh, yeah, I did. I just deleted my notes. That's all right. I think I remember. Yeah. There's like a, there's like a, uh, yeah. Here we go. Hold on. Ah. Go all the way back. Go all the way back. It's like an arrow on the nose, and that's what we recently Oh, yes. Now I see what you're saying. I wasn't going back. Okay. I got it. Okay. Along these same lines, what a teenager needs from you, I kind of want to talk about, uh, again, these are just, that's why I said back to the basics. We can start here. Here's what they need. And then let's add a small group. Why? Not just because that church is doing it, because we realize in a circle of friends and environment where they can encounter a leader and that leader can convince them that they believe in them. We're meeting two of these needs. So, um, But same thing when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to preaching, what are, we, what are we speaking about? I don't know if you speak to your students monthly or, or every single week, 
But I don't know what it is about the number five, but I have another five things when it comes to preaching. What, what, what really do we need to make sure they get before they graduate high school? Because, again, you have to approach this thing with the whole time is of the essence. We can't, you know, cover every facet of theology and figure the whole Bible out from their junior year to their senior year or from their freshman year to their senior year. So what do we need to make sure that they have in place before they get to that next season of life? I just wrote down a few questions that I think a teenager might have. What does God think about me? What does God think about me? I think I have to spend a lot of time, a lot of messages, talking about what God thinks about them. God loves you. I think they ask that question. I think they wonder that a lot. Does God really love me? Is he really actually for me, even though I did that? It's, a, it's They're navigating through that time where they're making massive mistakes. And they're encountering the grace of God for the first time. They need to be reassured what God thinks about them. Let's get this, let's get this in place and in stone before they go into the next season of life where they're going to start questioning everything, right? What does God think about me? And I would encourage you, let this shape the, the, the series that you preach. Again, you may have been a youth pastor for 10 years, but, but they've been sitting there for, you know, six months. And they still need to know what God thinks about them. Uh, what does God think about me? Second thing, what do I think about God? I forewarned you with the title, Back, back to Basics. What does God think about me? What do I think about God? Is he actually good? Does he hurt people? Is he angry? Um, does he love everybody? What do I think about God? I think we need to preach messages to help display who God really is so they can decide for themselves what they think about God. What does God think about me? What do I think about God? The third thing is, what does God say about my purpose? What does God say about my purpose? I think we have a chance change the landscape of Christianity with young people, meaning if we can produce adults that realize they're on earth for a reason and with a mission to carry out, I think like we can do this in youth ministry and start raising up adults that would live that way. Meaning I'm not, Christianity isn't just about me showing up and this is probably the best decision because I get to go to heaven plus God will bless me a lot while I live, if I tithe, you know. It's not just all that. It's like there's a mission. There's a a whole world that needs the the gospel. Um, God needs you to shine now, brightly, where you're at. There's a purpose to live for. What does God say about my purpose? Again, imagine if we could get a generation full of teenagers that would truly live saying, I'm here for a purpose. I understand what Jesus began and the fact that I'm now playing part in carrying on what he began, which is the church. Imagine if we produce thousands and thousands of adults that think that same way. Um, we'd see a lot of stuff happen. We'd see cities change. But we need to talk about that. What does God say about my purpose? Um, the fourth thing, this is so critical, is uh, what does God say about my relationships? 
in your preaching, this has to be worked in there. Friendships. What does that mean? How do you do friendships? How many times do you forgive them? Uh, what do you do when they stab you in the back? How do you date? How do you date? Right? Your parents are freaking out. They don't know the answer either. So, how do you date? Should I date? Is this the one I'm supposed to marry? <laughs> this is all the stuff they're trying to figure out right now. Um, and it's all stuff that's going to affect them for the rest of their life. Uh, and if we're not addressing this or saying something about it, I've, the other 14 years are. But what does God say about my relationships? And then the, the fifth thing, and then we'll probably just go into some questions and probably end early, but... Um, or I can play the drums for you. This is a random drum kit in here. Um, the fifth thing is what do I believe about the Bible? What do I believe about the Bible? I think that as the world is changing, it's not going to be enough to just know a lot of Christian dogma, right? We need to step back and tell them what the Bible is and where it came from and God's word and explain that process to them because they will meet in the face all the challenges uh, trying to disprove God's word just the day we live just less and less acceptable to just believe it just because right they're going to question these things and that's we know that's the season they're headed into but I think our society is just getting more and more skeptical generally about everything but specifically about religion so they need to know. They need to know what what in the world to think about this this book. It's amazing we have these American college students in our uh, our church that just clues about the Bible. I mean, they know basic things that you say if you go to church, but they don't know about the Bible or uh, how many authors wrote it or even the narrative, the story, and how it all works together. I'm telling you, if someone can dismantle the authority of the Bible, it'll unravel their Christianity. So I think we should get them ready for that. We should talk about that. What do you believe about the Bible? So, that's my, that's my thing. I hope that was helpful. This is the least animated I've ever been on stage. <laughs> so I'm sorry for that. It's 3.30. Uh, and so anyways, let's do this. Is there any questions that I could, maybe would be helpful if you're trying to figure something out specific or whatever, then I'd love to maybe try and share some wisdom. Sure. So here we are. Here we are. Yeah, this is youth ministry. Yeah, the second mic is off. This is youth ministry. Yellow. Yeah, this is youth ministry. Yeah, yellow. Um, all right, I got it. Okay. Um, you're talking about small groups and how they're so key um, to the kind of methodology of what you do and how preaching ultimately is not the best tool. Yes, there it is. Argument. So essentially, you're talking about the importance of small groups and how that's kind of the method of the, through which you guys do everything. Totally get that. Um, something that I'm running into uh, in my youth group ultimately is um, 
it's difficult for me personally to have a group of 15 students that I'm investing into individually. I have about four to five people. Um, they're they just graduated and leaders that I'm personally investing into, but it's hard for me to be, you know, 15 students' lives um, when I'm investing more in their leaders. Um, but my, my question is essentially this: How do I get my small group leaders to catch that fire to be involved in their students' life, like more so than just um, we talk about the lesson from on Sunday nights? We need Sunday nights. We, we talk about lessons on Sunday nights, but like, hey, how did that football game go last night? Or what's been going on here? Like outside of our service. How do we get this longer to yeah. really catch the fire for the students? A couple of things. One thing is that I think a lot of youth pack, well, let me start with this. Let me start with the, the other thing. Um, the biggest mis- one of the biggest mistakes that youth pastors make, or leaders in general make, is they don't cast the vision enough. And I know this is like one-on-one, you know, I heard that a million times. They don't cast the vision enough with enough conviction. You know, we, while I was the uh, uh, youth pastor, we had, a, we had a meeting, a leaders meeting once a month. And it was forever. It was just come. And the, the sole purpose, we didn't really train much. I don't even know if I thought I'm going to be a leader, to be honest. But what I did is everyone, by the end of every stinking night, was like a weird mix of in tears and frothing at the mouth. Kind of like, let's go. My heart's broken for these kids. Yeah, let's do something about it. And we do that every month. Because it took it every month. They don't have the same drive for you to do, and that's fine. They're not necessarily called to do what you are, but you have to remember that. They forget about it. Like one teenager that doesn't text them back or... Um, or one teenager that you know irritates them, that's zaps the vision right there. So the next time you're around them, they need, they need and the other thing is this, when you cast vision, to, this is not here's what's not exciting. Hey guys, we're gonna grow our youth ministry to, to five hundred kids. Let's do this. It's not exciting. Here's here's what gets people moving. Um What's going on in your city? Look up statistics about broken homes. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about drug addiction with teenagers. Or teenagers with gang violence, how random it is in our city. Or let's talk about uh, teenage pregnancy. Let's talk about... Let's... Because, again, let's build a youth ministry of 500. That's like, sure. Let's just live in a fairy tale and that be our goal. But let's take a, let's zero in on how dark the problem is. And if that doesn't evoke compassion, then you're talking to a robot, not a human, right? But it's out of that heart of compassion, then you can say, oh, we're going to do something about that. Here's what we're going to do. And then you start to build ministries. You point to the need first. People won't jump in if they don't see the need. They want to fix the problem. We're built to fix the problem. The other thing is I just think a lot of youth pastors are scared of holding other people accountable. Because it's surprising how much you have to hold people accountable. Hey, text all your text these ten students this week. You get to the end of the week. Sure they're texting, right? Sure. (laughs) Hey guys, you have other students? Ah, Okay, make sure we do that. Next week, same same request. 
the next Friday, it's like, okay, this is borderline insulting. Yeah. And I asked him two times in a row, did you, no, I forgot. Come on, get it done. Um, screenshot, show me that you got it done. I don't know, I've, I've done some pretty radical things to make sure that stuff gets done. Yeah. And uh, so, like, crazy accountability is the other thing. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, anybody else? So, so you're talking about um, like the five things that teenagers need. How have you guys implemented the structure and processes for training leaders to make sure that you are getting teenagers in, you're getting them plugged in, they're finding purpose? Like, what does that look like practically? Yeah, so practically we have we do small groups on Sunday nights. The kids in a small group, kind of fun will be. I'm not. I'm not good. Structurally laying things out unless it's on paper. So we have services. Let me just start here. We have services every Wednesday night. That's like we're going to grow services. That's their synergy. We're giving them a church to build. Let's do, we're going to worship together Wednesday nights. New people. Uh, it's the fun. Then immediately we get them involved in a small group. So every Sunday night we do small groups. Leaders, you can be a part of our youth ministry. But this, the second tier of leadership is being a small group leader. That's the step further is the small group. You don't get to be a small group leader and not be a part of the bigger thing that's going on. That's like the, you know. Um, that's what we do. I don't know, is that too simple? <laughs> um, so we get them plugged in small groups. And, uh, yeah, that's what we do. I could probably give you someone else on my staff that would talk a lot more about systems and structures, but I'm more, um, yeah, go ahead. I think kind of just a follow-up question, because so you talked about how you went from weekly services and then just straight to solely small groups, yep. and then realizing you have to implement that. And so do you think, so if you were to do it again, like how would you do it do you think that was like a necessary thing to do, where just solely small groups, you get that structure first, so that that's like small groups is everything, and then re-implementing a weekly service, or was would there be a different way you would do it? That's a really good question. As it stands right now, I would say yes, for us it was necessary, because we just didn't do small groups well as a church at that time either. So it was so like, yeah, it would have been tough. And we did small groups, but it was... Like at the end of service for just a little time, and it was not really much, you know what I'm saying? Um, so for us, I look back at it and say, we didn't grow, we didn't really have a lot of momentum, but man, we fell in love with small groups. That's all we did for two years. It turns out they love it. <laughs> so it got, here's what it did. If I were to say, from, we're doing weekly services, and I was going to say, hey guys, we're going to add small groups also. Like, oh my gosh, it's so much. But because we did this, it's like we're adding a weekly service, which that's always exciting, but you're not taking away small groups. Are you? That's what we love. Honestly, small groups. So we've got both, and it's more, but no, they're thankful that we're not taking away small groups. So it really worked out well for us. That's all I might say. Back there, or wherever you guys pick. Hey, so 
you always get those kids that don't want to come, and the parents just bring them in, and here they are. Um, we had scenarios to where they even brought drugs to the services, and it's just a commotion after a commotion. I mean, you do everything you can, and you've got all the activities set off for them. Everyone's coming fine, but except for that one or that yeah. group. What do you guys feel about that? Well, some of you might be able to give you a better answer, but the way I did it is that kid became my best friend. Like me specifically. The worst kid was where I was drawn. That's just how I did it. I don't know if I was making everyone else pay because my intention was going for the most broken kid, but that's just what I did. So, yeah, the kid that smoking weed outside with green Febreze and spray it everywhere. <laughs> Some kind of drug dealer just went down in the bathroom and what the world's going on. Those guys became the guys who got to lunch. And uh, hey, let's go, let's go to Wendy's after service. Let's get a shake. Let's hang out. Because once you convince them that you believe in them, yeah. they're kind of green for you. Yeah, they don't burn you. I mean, they will. But if you stay there after that, it's unbelievable. And uh, I, you, if you would have asked me two years ago, is it worth it to chase those kids down? I may have said no or really think about it. But in the last few years, I've had some of those crazy knuckleheads like Facebook message me and say, I'll finally get my life together. And thank you so much for never giving up on me. It's like, wow. Maybe it was worth it. But I was, that's, that's why I was there on Wednesday night. You guys got the kids that are together. I'm going to preach, but in the midst of me getting ready to preach, I'm on the hunt for that kid. That's just how I did it. So, yeah, that's how, that's how I did it. Another question? So, there seems to be this interesting dynamic that we have. Might talk a little louder. Um, there's an interesting dynamic when you have middle schoolers and high schoolers combined. Um, how do you deal with that um, when it comes to communicating truth, when it comes to how you handle activities, just kind of all that? Okay, so there's all kinds of different ways to view this. And, um, I'll just say how we did it. <laughs> we, we did high school and middle school together. Then we split them up. Okay, we had high school and middle school together, and service was fairly rapid. But I liked it, you know, but it was fairly rapid. We split up. High school became better. Middle school became infinitely worse. <laughs> I hated our middle school. So I said, forget that. We're going back together. That was our journey. So, what I tended to do is the youth ministry was aimed at juniors. Juniors, sophomores, that's how I preached. That's the things we did. As much as we could split them up, we would, you know, when it comes to different things. But you get middle schoolers and high schoolers in a room, middle schoolers are going to elevate more than the high schoolers or whatever. My experience was you get middle schoolers alone. They go, but any, there's lots of great people that would say very opposite of what I'm saying, but that's just our experience. Um, but yeah, the whole thing is aimed at more like a 16, 17 year old. 
and the, the middle school was just kind of came up to it. We paid attention to him. Who, who's not? Who's the, who's the twelve-year-old that's you know getting lost? You got to have leaders specifically aware of those situations. Uh, we had a lot of that. Um, sit with them. Make sure those kids have a seat. Go sit with them. If they got questions, explain things to them. But that's how we dealt with it, rather than splitting. Explain. I'm telling you, I preached in there one time, and uh, it was enough. I made someone else preach in there for like a couple of months, and then we just said, forget it. So, another question? Yeah, uh, I actually just recently switched our entire model over to a smaller based model, uh, actually, three weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, the, I had a lot of pushback from parents. Yeah. So, what I'm doing is once a month, combine junior high and high school worship service. Yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts on the once a month sort of thing for that? Yeah. Do you think it's positive or is you... So that's what we did. When I say we went to full small groups, that's what we did. We did uh, small groups three times a month, and then we did a once a month service gathering. And uh, for me, again, I haven't been, been two years in it, I'm sensing the need to have the gathering more. What we thought that we looked at Highlands and we did what they did, but we didn't quite do what they do. Because there's this thing called city groups yeah, that's that confuse you. It's hard to get your head around a little bit. And then what you find out is it's about 50 to 100 people having a service in a home. I'm like, oh, well, we've got about 100 people, so let's, let's have service. <laughs> that's what we did. Um, but I would say parents, it's crazy. It's two years ago it went by, and still parents were, like, skeptical about small groups and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that I did to arm myself when going and meeting with parents is uh, meet with teenagers and find out what they think about it. Or you don't do it. Have someone else do it where they don't think that it's even going to get back to you. Um, let them express what they think about small groups. What I found out is that they loved it. They adored it. Leaders loved it. Um, but yeah, we had, a, we had a pushback from parents for sure. You have to push back to parents every time, anytime you change anything. Especially if it's been going the same way for a while. So be convicted in what you believe in and if your pastor's behind you, then go for it. Alright. Maybe a couple of more. I don't choose, I'm sorry. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about the perspective from the senior pastor from going from small groups to or service to small groups to service and then how hard is it to get um, are you seeing three different crowds um, or like Sunday morning you want maybe high school students to serve on Sunday morning Sunday night small groups and then Wednesday night is there three different crowds is it the same people um, and then how's your senior pastor's perspective on having so much work in the ministry um, yeah. with the new integrated model of having students serve on Sunday morning well, currently, the senior pastor enjoys it because <laughs> it's me. Um, but before that, when I was pastor, uh, my dad was, was a senior pastor. So he gave a lot of freedom. You know, here's the hard truth is that when you produce fruit, you get freedom. It's kind of the hard truth. The more fruit you produce, it's like, hey, go for it. Whatever you think will work, then it probably will. So... We, we encountered that, I think, through the years. So we had lots of freedom. Lots of freedom. So that was the perspective from the senior pastor. Um, 
So, what was the other question? Yes, 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 yes. So, um, I would say that our small groups are, it's just different. Like, we had, we had a, couple of, um, a couple of girls in high school come for the first time on a Wednesday night service. They missed next Wednesday night service, but they made it to Sunday night small groups. I kind of think the more is better. Like, the more options, the better. Um, Sunday morning, yeah, there's different kids. Um, but, um, yeah, it does happen for us. I don't necessarily see it as like this critical problem to solve. I'm glad they're here. Um, and I want them to come more often. I was just happy to know that I think they played sports. They couldn't come on that next one today at some tournament. They could make something up, which was cool to me. So, maybe one or two more or something? Um, you had mentioned that um, numbers isn't the only indicator for growth. So what are some other wins that you guys define as growth at Youth America? Um, I look at the numbers a lot. I just have to say that. I downplayed that, but I look at the numbers quite, quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I think beyond that, beyond that, like you need to be hearing from your youth leaders because to really figure out the wins in a student's life, it's going to come from who they're telling it to, and that's hopefully their youth leader. So if we, if we keep hearing good stories, right, you have some kind of, I know it's not very systematic and you can't track that, but um, you, you keep a pulse on things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you've got some kind of a leadership development thing, kids that are going into that. But look, you know, students that are coming to Wednesday night and Sunday night, we know they're just going to get more from, really from God and what we're offering if they're, if they're attending both of those. Um, but yeah, I think, I think individual stories, a leader who's connected to about five or six, it's about as much as you can do. Um, they're hearing stories. Um, we gaze a lot off of that too. Let's do one more. Right, this is good. Uh, what kind of material do you equip your small group leaders with to send them off and minister to the students? Do we write it? Yes, we write it. What's it look like? Uh, we'll, uh, we base everything on that previous week's message from Wednesday. And so we'll take whatever passage of scripture. We base everything on the previous Wednesday's sermon, so we'll take that passage of scripture, what we were generally talking about, and then write six to seven discussion questions to go through, uh, and really just walk through that and ask students in their small groups, how are they doing, what are they dealing with, what's this look like for you, how does this play out in your life, and uh, you'll find that the discussion starts really slow, but as soon as it starts to go, then you start to get some more, so we make it very simple for our small group leaders. Yeah, yeah it's the goal. Again, if, if you're doing weekly services, you're not having to meet all the same needs in small groups. You know what I'm saying? If I was just doing small groups, I don't know that I would just keep the discussion. I would probably do some sort of a five-minute teaching and then some questions or something like that. But now it's just go have fun together. Like, do the questions or don't. I, don't, I mean, I guess you might care more. Uh, the big thing is have a blast. 
every leader convince those young people that you love them really young. And then, because really, the golden moments aren't in the discussion, really. I mean, you get below the surface a little bit, but the golden moments are like, I'm going to take that kid home. And that's the gold. That's where the gold comes out. Like where real life shows, you know, they expose that kind of stuff. So you're just trying to peel back the layers. So anyways, that's all. We're going to shut it off here. So I really uh, thank you guys for sitting here for 45 minutes. And... Um, yeah, if, you want to, if you're interested in anything that we're doing, you can follow us on uh, at Youth America, at Youth America, or youthamerica.org. So, anyways. Excellent. Come on, guys. Can we give Pastor Green a hand? Can we pray for you guys real quick, and then we'll go ahead and release you. So, Father, I thank you for every one of these leaders in this room. God, I ask that you would pour out your spirit upon them in fresh ways. God, that you would anoint the work of their hands. God, to lead so many young people to you and to empower them to discover the purpose that you place in their lives. God, would you use these leaders in this room to raise up a new generation of people who are passionate for you, bringing the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.